it's not often that we find uh, Sunni imams leaving, for example, the United Kingdom, the United States, Australia, or for a matter of fact, their countries uh, for a, a, a visit to holy shrines besides, uh, you know, Hajj and Umrah. So they would obviously go to Masjid al-Haram and they would perform Hajj or perform Umrah. And after that, they would visit Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. And, um, the, uh, and uh, obviously there are uh, also many important individuals buried in Jannah al-Baqi'ah. I'm not sure if all of them do visit Jannah al-Baqi'ah often, but obviously some of them do. What made you um, actually go and visit the shrine of, for example, Amir al-Mu'mineen, al-Imam Ali, and Imam, Has- Imam Hussein, uh, and uh, the rest of the shrines in Iraq? And more importantly, can you tell us the difference between the ideologies and the Sunni world for our audience um, of how is it possible that some of the scholarship in the Sunni world or the school of the Sahaba forbids the visitation of the shrines. In fact, some of them would even go as far as saying the visitation of the shrine of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a waste of time. There is no importance in such an activity. Inna Muhammad and Qadmat, Muhammad is no longer um, alive and he no longer exists amongst us. So. There is no point in even visiting the shrine of Rasulullah. Would you take some time to elaborate on that before we engage further in uh, discussing the event of Ghadir? Uh, yes, uh, Sayyid. I mean, one thing I will mention is when I visited your honorable grandfather, Sayyid Murtada Qazwini uh, in, in Karbala, we had a dialogue there and a discussion with some of the our, our fellow Iraqi scholars and one of the things that I realized was how ill-informed, uh, for whatever reasons, right or wrong, I don't know who, who's to blame for that, uh, information wasn't available to them, specifically regarding what is Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, what is Sunnism, what does Sunnism stand for, what is it? Is it this modern 200, 300-year-old minhaj, which is following in Asbi? type of understanding of Islam, which is originated through the ideas and the thoughts of Ibn Taymiyyah and, and so forth, or what is it? And, and one thing I learned from that visit was that it's only when we have dialogue, when we sit with each other, for example, specifically that visit and, that, and specifically that incident I was sitting with your, with your grandfather, we were discussing uh, Yazid, for example, and what was the position amongst the Mutakallameen scholars, the Aqaid ulama, within Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah regarding Yazid's position, his role in the martyrdom of Imam al-Hussein alayhi salam. And they were not fully aware of that. They had this assumption somehow that Ghazali, for example, Abu Hamad al-Ghazali, mm. uh, a medieval scholar, that he was actually anti-Yazid. And it was only when I actually explained to them the position of Ghazali that I realized that we have to have more dialogue. We have to sit with each other. We have to share information with each other. That's one of the reasons why, just going off the point, I'm a member, uh, a direct or a board member of the Center of Intra-Religious Dialogue between Sunnis and Shias, where we sit together and we debate in a... Uh, in a academic manner. manner. Yes, in an academic manner, with the utmost respect for everyone. And that environment is only ulama and academics are only allowed there. And we debate the most contentious issues between the two schools. Ghadir Qum is one of them. Tafdil, Abdaliya, the Adalat of the Sahaba, Qirtas, the Hadith of Qirtas. And recently I spoke on regard, I spoke uh, and I presented a paper in regards to the door, Sayyidah Fatima, was it burned? What was the incident regarding it? So I do believe that we have to have dialogue. We do have differences, but like I said, the biggest thing that unites us and brings us together is Imam al-Hussein alayhi salam, is the Ahlul Bayt. The point that I was actually making, uh, which is extremely important, is that is generally what Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah is. That, that is how we, the vast majority, 
which I would call over 70-80% of the Muslim, Sunni Muslim world, they would define uh, Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah as either one of, the pe one of the people who follow one of the former Dahibs, the Hanafi, Hanafi, Shafi, Maliki, Hanbali school, either adhere to the Ash'ari or the Maturidi or the Athari school, and thirdly, belong to a spiritual guru, a spiritual school of Tazkiyah, which we call Sufism, Tasawwuf, whatever definition you want to give it. And all of that spiritualism goes back to Imam Ali. And that is what Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah has followed for 1400 years. And that, is, that has been the position of Ibn Hajar al-Sqalani, al-Bukhari, al-Muslim, Imam al-Nisa'i, all the great aima, all the great scholars from Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah predominantly followed either one of these former dahibs or one of these two schools. Then you have what we call a new innovation, which was a gentleman called Ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah came uh, 500, I think 600 and something after Hijri. Uh, he came. Uh, and basically what his interpretation was that he, and this is a problem we have with our brothers from the Salafi, Wahhabi background, is they only apply what we call naql of had the naql. They don't apply aql. In our usul, we apply naql and aql when we, when we approach the Qur'an and when we approach the hadith. We do not just look at it from a, uh, a perspective of what does the text say. We then textualize it. You know, we look at the rationality behind it. We look at uh, yani the aql, what does logic say regarding that. And that has always been the position. Ibn Taymiyyah took a very uh, hardline conservative view where he predominantly only, where he mostly went towards the the uh, what we call the naql of the hadith just you know going word for word the prophet said don't do this without looking at the reasons and and he innovated a lot of things for example the first scholar in the history of ahl sunnah wal jama'ah and before him there was not i mean i've done research on this extensively sheikh mahmoud saeed mamdu a very famous egyptian contemporary hadith master he has also done research on this, in that the first scholar to prohibit the visitation of visiting Rasulullah's Rawdat al Mubarak in Madinah al Munawwara, which you uh, mentioned earlier on, was Ibn Taymiyyah. And that is a fatwa that the Wahhabis use as a premises, a foundation to stop people from visiting uh, the Prophet. And for, 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 for about four or five hundred years, Waha uh, that Salafi mentality. And another po important point to understand is Ibn Taymiyyah was one of the earliest scholars who revived the concept of anthropomorphism in Aqidah, which is Mujassimat, Tajseem, which is uh, belikening Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to his creation. One of the agreements that all Muslims have, be it Shia, Sunni, be it Qadariya, Jabariya, be it even Mu'tazila, be it any sect, that, that, that is within the Muslim world is that we have this uniformity which is that we do not believe that Allah is within his creation nor is Allah, you know, uh, is, is restricted to time or place nor is he similar to his creation. He jalla jalaluhu kaan Allahu wala makan wala zaman and there's many hadiths to confirm that. So Ibn Taymiyyah was the first scholar that, re he wasn't the first but he was the, the most famous should we say that reinforce that concept of anthropomorphism, of going against a jama'ah, going against the consensus of the Muslims, going against what Muslims Muslims had been following for six to seven hundred years. Uh, he was eventually killed. He died in prison. He wasn't killed. He died in prison. He was released. Again, the ulama debated him. Uh, in fact, al-Zahabi, for example, uh, al-Zahabi, uh, even though he isn't someone who I would wholeheartedly uh, uh, praise as a person, but al Dhabi uh, mentions a letter that he writes to Ibn Taymiyyah and talks about his arrogancy, how he has knowledge, but he's arrogant. Sayyid Abdullah bin al-Sadiq al-Ghumari, rahimallahu ta'ala, a very famous Moroccan scholar who passed away in 1993, who was a giant imam from the Ashraf too. He came to a conclusion, and his brother Sayyid Ahmad bin al-Sadiq al-Ghumari, radiallahu anhu, uh, the great hadith master and the great mujtahid, he came to an agreement that Ibn Taymiyyah was extremely weak in hadith. This is one of the biggest problems Ibn Taymiyyah had, that he, when he, whenever he went to a hadith, he would just, you know, make it weak or fabricate it without any, without substantiating it with any evidence. And this is found many times 
in his fatawa, in his various books. And his teachings were, uh, were kept on the side. His teachings were prohibited. His books were prohibited until, unfortunately, about, two to three, about 200 years ago, uh, we have what we call the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Again, I don't, I don't want to give you a full history lesson. You are extremely learned, but for our, our viewers, one of the creation was the modern creation of the modern day kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And there was an agreement between of Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab and, uh, and Ali Saud. And Ali Saud said that we would deal with politics and you deal with religion and we would not interfere with you, but we would follow you. Uh, we would adhere to your, to your interpretation of Islam uh, and so forth. And what they did was, and this is something which is quite unique, Sayyid, because about a year ago, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, he actually admitted this in, 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 at a major conference. He said that it was the US that prompted us to pump billions of dollars to promote a version of Islam, which was Wahhabism, which wasn't the original Islam. And he actually said at a trade conference that I want to go back to the original Islam. So I assume he's referring to the original format of Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah. And that Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah are people who do go to the graves of the Awliya. We don't worship them. We, we go for Wasila Istighatha. We do Dua there. We visit them. And specifically, the A'imma of the Ahl al-Bayt are held in extremely high regards. Hence the reason why after the Haramain, the most, uh, the, the, the top you know, list of places that any Sunni has to visit has to be the land of Iraq. What drives us, the followers of the Ahl al-Bayt, to visit, for example, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his grandson, Al-Imam Al-Hassan, his grandson, Al-Imam Ali ibn Al-Hussein, Imam Muhammad bin Ali Al-Baqir, and Imam Ja'far ibn Muhammad Al-Sadiq, in Jannatul Baqi' is the fact that we believe Islam is inseparable from the love of the Ahl al-Bayt. You cannot call yourself a Muslim unless you carry the love of those who Allah loved and Rasulullah loved. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam left this ummah stating in many occasions, many different parts that مَثَلُ أَهْلِ بَيْتِي كَسَفِينَةِ نُوحِ مَنْ رَكِبَهَا نَجَى وَمَنْ تَخَلَّفَ عَنْهَا هَلَكَ وَغَرَقَ And asking the Muslim community to love and to respect his uh, progeny, his household. So for us, Islam is inseparable just like it's inseparable from the Quran, it's also inseparable inseparable from the Ahl al-Bayt. Another is the fact that we attend those shrines, obviously not because we worship them, na'udhu billah, or we do shirk. And I even believe that the Wahhabis themselves, they know that the Shia, they don't, fall, they don't worship the shrines, uh, and they don't pray to the shrines, but they... And this is exactly what we do when we go to the shrine of Imam Hussein or Amir al-Mu'mineen or Imam Hassan or, or any of the imma. Ya Sayyidana wa Mawlana, inna tawajjahna wa stashfa'na wa tawassalna bika ila Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our goal. Our wasila is this Ahl al-Bayt. Now why is our wasila the Ahl al-Bayt? Because history never recorded a time where Imam al-Hussein, Imam Hassan, Ali ibn al-Hussein, Imam al-Baqir committed a sin or they made a mistake or they actually caused fitna within the holy ummah of Rasulullah. In fact, they, like you said, were the mentors. They were the teachers. They were the saviors. They were the hope of the Muslims when things got really difficult and very tough. They went to the household of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is why we're there. In fact, there is a hadith from Imam al-Jawad in our books. Imam al-Jawad, which you visited, I believe, um, or not, I'm not sure, um, in, in Iraq. Um, and uh, and he, he states, uh, he, he, he pays one of his companions. He says, I have a hajjah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I would like for you to go and to... Um, uh, visits the shrine of Imam al-Hussein. 
So his companion says to him, Yabna Rasulullah, but you are also an Imam. You are also the grandson of Rasulullah. You have this position with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why would I go and pray for you in the shrine of Imam al Hussein? So this is what he says. Inna lillahi amakin. Yuhib an yud'a fiha fayujib. Allah wants to see us in Masjid al-Haram. Allah wants to see us stuck to the Kaaba. Allah wants to see us in Masjid al-Nabawi between the member of Rasulullah and the grave of Rasulullah. Allah wants me to be present in the shrine of Ali, in the shrine of Hussein. So I ask him there for forgiveness and Allah shall give because he honors the person who is there. And a tradition, Imam al-Sadiq says to the companions of Imam al-Hussein, Tibtum this is what drives millions of the followers of Ahlul Bayt. Obviously, this year is going to be different. But every year, to go towards the visitation of Imam Ali, Imam Hassan, Imam Hussein. Now, the question of an average Shi'i, many of the people watching you today, what is it that motivates a Sunni Imam from a Sunni Madhab, from the school of the Sahaba, to not only go by himself, but to take a group of other ulama from Ahl Sunnah to visit the shrine of Imam Ali, Imam Hussein, for example. And why is it? Why is it? And this is a very important point, Shaykhna. If you, I would like for you to emphasize on this. Why is it that we don't have people like yourselves, the scholars that you took with you to stand up and to tell the world, why is it that you're going there? And, and what are the fruits that you're trying to achieve to overcome and combat this Wahhabi mindset that you spoke about, this poisonous mindset that has now caused so much problems for an entire Muslim ummah? In the famous hadith in Sahih Muslim, which is Mutawatir, the Prophet clearly said, I leave two things behind, Quran wa ahli bayt. I leave the Quran and my Ahlul Bayt. There are narrations found in Al-Muwatafi Mamalik, which mentions the Quran and the Sunnah and so forth. Other scholars have interpreted, interpreted that in the sense that the Sunnah would always be with Ahlul Bayt. So then, even, though, even though Imam Malik is a giant Imam within Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, he doesn't provide a Sanad for that Hadith. And we do not blindly follow any individual. However, rigorously, whether you go to uh, Sahih Muslim, whether you go to any, in fact, uh, Imam Jalaluddin Sayyuti, who died in 911 after Hijri, in his Kitab of Mutawatir, he lists all of the Mutawatir and the Tawatir uh, different chains in, rego in regards to the Hadith of Thakalain. And he says that they are rigorously authentic and they reach the level of Mutawatir. Whenever the Prophet وسلم, is addressing the believers in the Quran, or Allah is addressing them in the Quran, or the Prophet is addressing them in the Hadith, he says, Awal Bukhatab are the Sahaba Ridwan So the first people the Prophet is speaking to is Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, he's speaking to Talha Zubair, he's speaking to the 124,000 companions before he actually speaks to you and me. So he's actually saying to them that Abu Bakr. Even your salvation is within the Ahlul Bayt. Yes, you are a companion, Omar, you are a companion, but your salvation is dependent upon whom? The Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet Even you have to adhere to these two things, the Quran and the Ahlul Bayt. So we have this rich tradition that we, I would call ourselves, and again, uh, respect to our, our brothers uh, who are from uh, Shia background, I would definitely say that I would describe myself as someone who is a follower of the Ahlul Bayt and we are followers of Imam Ali السلام, and the Aimma of the Ahlul Bayt, the 12 Imams that you refer to, we believe in them. We don't believe they're Ma'asum, but we do believe that they have an Isma'i in them, which is the, uh, in, in, the, in the concept of Mahfuz. Allah has protected them from sin. The, the difference is really semantics and I've written, I've written extensively a paper on this. The difference between the Shia concept of uh, uh, Asma'a or Isma'a and the concept of Ijma'a and how a theological concept inter intertwines and becomes a juristical in nature 
and what is the difference we really it's really semantics because you don't accept ijma'a we accept ijma'a zuhja you accept the qawl the qawl imam zuhja you don't accept ijma'a even though your latest scholars did uh, then adhere to ijma'a but the vast majority of the shia scholars do not adhere to ijma'a they adhere to the qawl of the imams to such an extent where i written that if for example there's a qawl of 20 imams the aqwal of 20 imams uh, or scholars eminent scholars but there's the the qawl of one imam who's who's from the 12 imams he has hujja over them precedence over them and he would be followed so it's really semantics that it's only when you study theological differences when you study usul and then you realize it's really the same thing we call the concept of ijma'a and the concept of uh, following the imams is really the same thing it's just different uh, wording should be said so that's really what i would say say regarding that you know we are people who follow that that minhaj and 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 we have been brought up since we were children i can remember sayyid when i was a child when my mother would pray when she would pray for my father rahimallahu ta'ala when she would pray for our for our for our family for our uh, loved ones she would always say this in urdu when i say to you she would say oh allah bara imam this sabke and that means oh allah in the name of the 12 imams forgive these people so we've always had that that intrinsic part of ahlul bayt in our families we've always had that in fact you know if you go to it isn't predominant in the arab world apart from egypt and in some places in morocco morocco is deeply uh, our lovers of ahlul bayt absolutely but if you go to pakistan and india if you go to the sunni madaris you go to the sunni majalis uh, during karbala and karbala is coming up muharram uh, muharram al haram is coming up and you will see even in the uk up and down different cities and towns Muslims will gather together and they will begin celebrating not celebrating uh, but they will commemorating and they will uh, speak about the events surrounding Imam Hussein alayhi salam his martyrdom the shohada the lessons that can be learned so yani we've always had that intrinsically part of us sayyid what rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wasallam was returning back from hajjatul wada with all his companions and he he reaches an area where you know everybody is splitting all the camps are splitting the people of iraq are going to iraq and the people are going to different cities he there stops everybody he uh, asks them to gather around an area called ghadir khum and he gives a very prolonged speech and towards the end of his speech he says the following statement he says ala man kuntum maulah fa hada aliyun maulah اللهم والي من والاه وعادي من عاداه وانصر من نصره واخذل من حقدله and there are uh, additions that sometimes are mentioned by all the historians all the muhaddithin and sometimes they are not and then he reiterates the hadith that you rightfully mentioned inni inni tarikun fikum athqalain kitab Allah wa atrati al bayti ma in tamassaktum bihima lan yadilla ba'di abada so This day is is was actually a beautiful day for the Muslims. In fact, um, we have actually listed the, the 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 major books that speak of this event, and the majority of them will tell you that uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab came to Imam Ali and he says to him, "Ya Abul Hasan, bakhin bakhin, bakhin bakhin, laka ya Abul Hasan, asbahta maulana wa maula kulli mu'min wa mu'mina." and then he gave his hand and gave allegiance to al-imam ali ibn abi talib so this day is a great day for the followers and the lovers of imam ali and you know if you're a muslim and you're a mu'min and and you hear the name of ali your heart trembles you know you you yearn for this name and for us the followers of ahlul bayt we were prosecuted for years sure. you know in the time of bani umayya Uh, for 90 years every time uh, a khatib went on the minbar he would not finish the khutbah uh, before he would curse ali allahu akbar look at the islam mm. and, and and when the shia and when the followers of the ahlul bayt and i would say the whole muslim community that loves ali who is ali ali is the fatih of khaybar ali is awwal al-qawm islama ali is the cousin of rasulullah the protector of rasulullah abul hasanain Ali is uh, you know Ali is Ali so 
you know, for us, this is a day of celebration. This is a day where we, we are proud to see that uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave the status to Imam Ali. Now for you as a Sunni Imam, what, what does this occasion mean? But before you talk about that, I want to ask you a question, and this is going to enlighten many people, Shaykhana. What does Imam Ali and his love mean to you personally? I want you to tell us that. I want you to tell us what the love of Ali, the name of Ali, the legacy of Ali mean to you personally. Subhanallah. Uh, where do you begin? La yuhibbuka illa al-mu'min wa la yubbiduka illa al-munafiq. The hadith of Sahih and Sahih Muslim. The Prophet said that only a believer would love him. Not a Muslim. Only the believers. Al-mu'minun. And only the people of Nifaq, the hypocrites, would hate him and have hatred towards him. Uh, Imam Ali, alayhi salatu wasalam, is that individual who we believe in our various uh, books that you can read, that when he was born, he was born in the Kaaba, as, uh, as Imam al-Hakim, rahimahullah ta'ala, has mentioned. And he did not open his eyes to his honorable mother, Sayyidah Fatima, alayha, his mother, the aunt of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi and it was only when the Prophet ﷺ picked him up as a baby that Amir al-Mu'mineen opened his eyes and the first thing he saw was the honorable face of his brother, Rasul ﷺ. The fadail of Imam Ali is what Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal has mentioned that, the, that from all the companions, the one who has the most fadail, countless, in which there's no rejection in regards to its Authenticity is Amir al-Mu'mineen. In fact, there's a narration which is found in the Musnad, which is originally also taken from Imam al-Bukhari's Sahih, in which a questioner aside asked Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah, that, you know, who do you prefer and who did you give preference of superiority to? And he said, during the time of the Prophet even after him, there's various different narrations that we would say Abu Bakr is great, and then we would say Umar, Thumma Uthman, and then after and then after Uthman, we kept quiet. And uh, Ahmed, Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, rahimahullah ta'ala, his son asked him, his father, uh, what about Amir al-Mu'mineen, Ali ibn Abi Talib? Ibn Umar is saying here that Abu Bakr, then Umar, then Uthman. What about Amir al-Mu'mineen? And he says, and he kept quiet and he raised his head. And he said that Ali can't be compared, no one can be comparable to Ali ibn Abi Talib. Yes. In this book, Imam al-Abul Hassan al-Ash'ari, radiallahu anhu, he clearly tells us that within Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, there's a clear difference of opinion regarding the concept of tafdeel, who is the greatest human being to walk on this earth after the prophets, and he gives the various opinions, and one of the opinions is that Imam Ali is Abdul. In fact, Imam Baqilani, another giant Imam, Qadi Abu Bakr al-Baqilani, which is this, this is his book, Al-Manaqib for those people who are not aware of him, he, unfortunately, many people say he was a student of Al-Ash'ari. He never met Al-Ash'ari. He was his, his student's student. Ibn Khaldun, uh, who is very notorious for his uh, anti-views towards the Ahlul Bayt. Uh, and Sayyid Ahmed bin al-Siddiq al-Ghumari, radiallahu anhu from Morocco, was at the pin that he was, in, he, he was from the Nawasib those who had hatred towards Ahlul Bayt, Wallahu A'lam. However, he said that if it wasn't for this individual, Al-Baqilani, the Ash'ali school would not exist today. That is how senior this person is. And Imam Baqilani, in more than one place, clearly demonstrates that within the Sahaba, there was a clear difference of opinion uh, regarding who is the greatest human being after the Prophet. We don't believe that there's an ijma' here. We believe that the Jumhur view the majority view of the Muslims is that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was Abdul and Umar, then Thumma Uthman, Thumma Ali. That is one view of the Jamur. However, the Aqidah, the view of what we can call the people of spiritualism, the spiritual scholars, uh, the people of, of, of Tariqah and so forth, like my teachers, they are all of the view in, 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 in agreement that the greatest human being to walk on the earth after the prophets is Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam. 
So Amir al-Mu'minin, and again, his position to us is so, we hold him in such high regards that without, without mentioning his name in our majalis, our majalis would not be uh, adequate. Without mentioning, we name him. You mentioned the hadith that mentioning the dhikr of Ali is ibadah. And we have people like Imam al-Nisa'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, he wrote a full book on the qasais, on the on on the virtues and the and the characteristics and the and the great attributes of Amir al-Mu'minin. So there's no denial within Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah that the the real view, unfortunately, it has become it's been hijacked by not only Wahhabis. What we've seen now, unfortunately, is Nawasib has this Nasbi or Nawasib ideology has taken the new face of Sufism. Certain people who say that we are Sufis now, unfortunately will have certain views which are not really adequate towards the, the position of the Ahlul Bayt. And this is something I say very clearly, and I'm not scared to say it. Rebuttal the Shia for whatever you want to do. Pay attention to this, my dear respectful audience members. Say it with, with all due respect to you. I said to our scholars, rebuttal the Shia if you want to rebuttal them. Debate with them if you want to debate with them. But never do it at the expense or at the expense of the Ahlul Bayt. Never. There's no compromise there. So we will not rebuttal. And this is unfortunately what happened within Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah in our history. We do have individual scholars that had so much hatred towards Shia Muslims and Shia scholars that that hatred went to such an extent, it made them blind and they then began to attack and even insult the Imams of Ahlul Bayt. And you are right, the, the, the Imams suffered from the time of Amir al-Mu'mineen. 80 years, 90 years, he was cursed on the member, up and, up and, you know, up and down uh, the Muslim world. It's, it's mentioned in Sahih Muslim, very ex blatantly, that Marwan bin Hakim, the Mal'oon, would sit on the member of the Prophet in front of Imam, in front of Hassanin Karimain, and he would curse A'udhu Billah Amir al -Mu'mineen. In fact, one of our great Imams, Sheikh Abdul Aziz Muhaddis Adilbi Ali, a great giant Imam who both the Diobandi and the Brelvi scholars look up to, he said that one of the conditions of loving the Ahlul Bayt is that you have to curse Marwan. You have to curse this cursed individuals. So As Rasulullah cursed him. Yes. Rasulullah cursed him. He was, Yeni Shajra Khabitha was revealed uh, regarding him and his father and his offspring, in which there's a hadith in Abu Dawood, which Aisha, alayha, she tells this to him when he was about to uh, apprehend uh, her brother, Abdurrahman, and some said it was Muhammad. But anyway, Imam Ali holds such a high esteem within Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah. That our Iman is not completed without him. We cannot love the Prophet without loving Ali. We cannot, the Ahlul Bayt, the, the position that they have is that they are with the Prophet. In fact, let me mention one thing to you, Sayyid. The great Imam Fakhruddin al Razi, the great Imam uh, who was uh, a great scholar. Mufassir. Mufassir of Tafsir. Yeah, Mufassir of the Quran. And his Tafsir al Kabir. And this is also mentioned by Ibn Hajar al-Haythani in his Sawait al -Muhika. He mentions a full chain back to Imam Razi. Imam Razi says that the Ahlul Bayt are equal to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam in five areas. They have equality. He actually used the word equality, that they're equal to the Messenger of Allah. Number one was the tear. Number one was that Allah sent salam upon them. Number three was that sadaqah is haram upon them, you know. Number four is that loving them is fard. And number Ascent. five is that your prayer will not be accepted unless you Ascent. send salawat upon them. So Ascent. this is Imam Razi, a giant Sunni Ash'ari Shafi'i scholar mentioning this point that the Ahlul Bayt have equal, equal or have equality to the Prophet. Another point some people mention, uh, and this is something which we personally reject, that no one has precedence over the Ahlul Bayt. Why do I say that? Because the first member of the Ahlul Bayt is the Messenger of Allah himself. He is not dependent upon anyone. 
So for someone to say, you mentioned the hadith, which we find in Sahih, in the Mu'attaf Imam Malik, that my example of my Ahlul Bayt is like the, the Safina of Nuh, the, the, the boat or the ark of Nuh, whoever's on it has been saved, whoever isn't on it, yani he's, he's finished. Some people claim and say that that is the boat, but the boat, they, they use mantiq, but the mantiq has no uh, precedence here because with mantiq, log you have to logically look at everything. And they say that the navigation of the boat of the Sahaba has the Prophet said in the hadith that my Sahaba are a guide, are, are a guiding star. I reject this, and this has been rejected by our Imam. Why? Because the first member of the Ahlul Bayt is the Prophet. The first member who's on the boat is the Messenger of Allah. And he doesn't need navigation by anyone because Allah is navigating him. Hence, the Sahaba are dependent upon the Ahlul Bayt. So, Imam Ali's position with for us Sunni Muslims is such a high, we hold him in such high uh, esteem that oh, he's our spiritual father. In Tasawwuf, he's our Imam of spiritualism. When we give tariqa out to our muridin, we say to them that you are giving bayah in our hands, but our hands are going directly back to the 12 Imams, and from the 12 Imams, that bayah is going directly back to Rasulullah. In fact, our Imams have gone even further. I've said that that the tartib of wilaya comes from Amir al Mu'minin, it goes to Sayyida Fatima, from Sayyida Fatima, it goes to the, 12, the, the 11 Imams. So, Shekhna, uh, a question. For the most part, the pulpits of Salat al-Jumu'ah and the pulpits of the Muslimin, you rarely end up hearing about uh, Imam Ali. However, um, like you said, we decorate and we beautify our majalis and our gatherings with the Qur'an, of course, with the mention of um, Sayyiduhum, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And of course, the remembrance of Imam Ali. So for the followers of Ahlul Bayt, I believe each one of us has a favorite story or a couple of favorite stories from the legacy of Imam Ali. Whether it is the time that he slept in the bed of Rasulullah and, you know, the, the, the story, many of us, we don't know the details. Obviously, Imam Ali slept in the bed of Rasulullah and, and, and Rasulullah escaped and he was able to migrate to Medina um, but there is a dialogue. We, 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 we rarely talk about the dialogue of when Jibra'il came to Rasulullah. And he says to him that uh, the only way that you will be saved is if Ali sleeps in your bed. So Imam Ali actually says this to, uh, Rasulullah says this to Ali. And he says, Ali, um, you know, you are here, you're a young man. And, and uh Jibra'il has informed me that you should that you, you, you should you should sleep in my bed and that is how I'm going to be saved. So Rasul so Imam Ali immediately, traditions tell us, he went into sujood, thanking Allah. Yeah. That you know, Allah, you've blessed me to be a sacrifice for Rasulullah. So the tradition says, in Allah Jibra'ila I have made you, Jibra'il and Mikail, brothers. Mm. Which one of you is going to sacrifice himself for the sake of the, his brother? Each one of you decided that no, you want to live and you don't want to be sacri a sacrifice for one another. Look at my creation, my servants, Muhammad and Ali. And, and this is obviously another issue. The brotherhood between Rasulullah and Imam Ali. And now I have asked one of them to, to be a sacrifice for the other. He's sacrificing himself for Rasulullah. And Imam Ali wished to be a sacrifice for Rasulullah. Yes. Every time he came back from the battle, he was upset. Ya Rasulullah, I want to be a sacrifice for you. I want to give myself to you, Ya Rasulullah. So it's either that or his, um, you know, his presence in Badr, his presence in Uhud. And obviously he, you know, Badr and Uhud single-handedly, yes. there was an army and then there was Ali. Or the day of Khandaq, you know, yes. when Amr ibn Wud comes to the other side and he calls on to the Muslims, Men minkum if you kill me, then you send me to hell. And if I kill you, I send you to Jannah. And he then says, 
I've lost my voice. I've called on to you so many times. And Allah describes the Muslim community to be in a state of fear and tribulation and imtihan and test. And Rasulullah says, Man who is there to go to this man? Who is, who is Amr ibn Mud? Farusu Yalian. You know, a Rajulin bi Elf. He would be equivalent to a thousand people in battle. And here is young Ali ibn Abi Talib once again. He says, Ya Rasulullah, Ana lahu Ya Rasulullah. Let me go, Ya Rasulullah. And the day that he brought that victory for the Muslim community, and, and, and you know, his, whether it's, it's his, his, you know, after the Battle of Jamal, uh, and and, uh, and and like you said, there are areas where we disagree, uh, but this is history. After Jamal, he sent Aisha, the wife of Rasulullah, back with her own brother, protected, honored, respected. Yes. You know, uh, Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr accompanied and escorted her back to her home. When you see this, when you see his forgiveness, when you see his akhlaq, uh, and, and, and finally, you know, when he's struck by the sword in Masjid al-Kufa, he says, Fustu wa Rabb al-Ka'ba, and, and he says to Imam Hassan, Unayya Hassan, before you offer me this milk, offer it to our guest. Imam Hassan says, who's our guest? He says, our guest is Ibn Muljah. Be kind to him. Yes. Be kind to him. So, you know, you can read fairy tales, and you can read stories, and you can read many but to find Ali, another Ali, is, is, uh, is impossible. So for us, we have many stories. And, and our manabir are, are decorated with his remembrance. For you personally, what are the stories that you find the most inspiring from the life and the legacy of this man? Uh, I mean, regarding Amir al-Mu'mineen, I mean, likewise, we decorate our majalis with his zikr. We decorate our gatherings with his name. Uh, with his remembrance, we speak about his manaqib, we speak about his greatness, his virtues, his sacrifice. And you mentioned the battles. I mean, these, these were not any battles. I mean, if you look strategically, the Battle of Uhud, the, the Battle of Badr, these were very strategical battles for the Muslims, either for either survival or, you know, to, or being totally, you know, eliminated, totally destroyed. And the, the, the role the major role that Amir al-Mu'mineen played is, is, is profound. He killed more people on the Battle of Badr than all the Sahaba put together. That's, you know, that, that's a fact. What he did, he never ran away from the battlefield. He never left the side of the Prophet He is so unique in everything he did. The people who would uh, uh, admonish this would be people who are clearly ignorant or people who are aware of the uh, of the Many are hadith, but uh, because of Nasbism, because of hatred towards towards them, they don't want to speak about this. And this is something we have within Ahlasan of Jamaah. We have to admit it that by me speaking about the Ahlul Bayt and by me praising the Ahlul Bayt and by me praising Imam Ali, Ali Salam, and calling him Imam Ali. That's what we call him, Imam Ali. The Imams, all of them, we believe that they were they were, they were from the Imam. For us to use those terminologies doesn't actually give, we don't really think it gives benefit to the Shias, nor should we think like that. We think it's an ignorant argument to put forth that you're Sorry. giving benefit to the Shias. We said, Sorry. if that is the concept, don't, don't, don't talk about Musa, don't talk about Musa, <laughs> because it gives Sorry. any benefit to the Christians, it's, it's stupidity. Sorry. And Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, said that if speaking about uh, Dahlul Bayt is in, uh, in someone who is a, 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 a Rawafid, then I'm yes. the biggest Rawafid that you exactly. can find. Uh, so we, we, we have to clarify that. We do not praise the Ahlul Bayt to please someone. And, and this is something I want to clearly mention here. Besides Allah. Yes. Uh, whether you are from uh, Ahlul Sunnah or from our, our, our Shia brothers, we, and when I mean we, I mean my scholars, my teachers, and the people that we adhere to, we do not praise the Ahlul Bayt because we have to, or that we do it because we are trying to win some Shia friendship over. No, we do it because Allah ordered us to do it. We do it because the Prophet ordered us to do it. We do it because we, we believe a part of our Iman is the love of Amir al-Mu'mineen. And in regards to stories, I would say the most, 
unique stories I find about Imam Ali is his character, his uniqueness. Like you mentioned the issue of the unfortunate battle of Jamal when Sayyidah Aisha Salamul Aliha, uh, when she took opposition uh, towards Amir al-Mu'mineen, uh, that even at the end of whatever happened, Amir al-Mu'mineen never insulted her, he never swore at her, he never cursed her, and he, and he sent an entourage with her with security, and that entourage that was befitting the wife of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he's unique in every aspect, the way he behaves with Muslims, the way he believe, behaves with non-Muslims, his interaction, his behavior, everything. He, he, he's a supernatural person. But you have to contextualize him, Imam Ali to be able to understand his relevance in this modern world. And if you don't follow, and this is a message I give to all my friends, if you don't follow his akhlaq, if you don't follow his behavior, the way he speaks, the way he sits with people, any, uh, the way he will interact with people, then you are not really following this minhaj of the Ahlul Bayt. You're not following the, 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 the real teachings of the Madrasa of the Ahlul Bayt. This is regarding your grandfather. When I met him, I asked him, you know, tell me some of, some of the interactions that you had. And he said that one of the interactions that he had was in the 60s and the 70s when the Mukhabarat in, in, in Iraq, uh, Saddam and, 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 and uh, uh, pre-Saddam, uh, they arrested your father, many, your grandfather, sorry, many times, and they actually sent him towards Tikrit, and he spent so many months in Tikrit, and it was Ramadan. And every Ramadan while he was in Tikrit, for my viewers, this is Saddam's hometown. This is a predominant Sunni city. And every day... All of them. All of every them. Every single every day, one of them. Every iftari, your grandfather would be invited to an iftari of a fellow Sunni Muslim, and they would eat each other. And your grandfather mentioned something else. He said that he would actually himself, as, as, a, as an ayatollah, he would visit the Mawlid at the Masjid of Imam Abu Hanifa, in Baghdad, and he would participate in the Mawlid, and the Imams of Ahl Sunnah would participate in the Arba'een to show dialogue and respect, and we've lost that unfortunately. So we need to re reinvent that. So the, the bridge of cooperation, the bridge of dialogue, the bridge of bringing us together is Imam Hussein and wow. Ahl al-Bayt, I think. I, uh, you know, we, we are very excited to hear this because uh, uh, you know, I'm going to re-emphasize re this point, Sheikhna. Unfortunately, today, social media and the internet is poisoned, poisoned by uh, disunity. Um, Shias cursing on the Sunnis, the Sunnis cursing on the Shias. Uh, and we're making a mockery out of ourselves. And, and we, are, we are suffering. We are suffering uh, in, in unbelievable ways while we can have commonalities and unite. Mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala within the Holy Quran says, قُلْ meaning to Rasulullah, أَشْرَفُ الْمَخْلُوقَاتِ قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ Tell them, tell the people of the book, تَعَالَوْا إِلَىٰ كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ Let us come in a commonality. What is the commonality? أَلَّا نَعْبُدَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَلَا نُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا So there is commonality between the Muslims and Ahl al-Kitab. And there are many, like you said, commonalities. If we exclude the Nawasib and the enemies of the Ahl al-Bayt and Rasulullah, and we exclude the, 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 the Wahhabis, then there are many commonalities. And, and this became very clear today after having this conversation with you. Uh, many commonalities, including the love and the adherence and the following mm. of the Ahl al-Bayt. So one thing that I would have to say is, we don't often encounter Sunni Imams that are as courageous, to be honest with you, as you. And this is uh, after, I believe, this has become the case after the inception and the creation of the Wahhabi state uh, in Hejaz and, 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 and now the, the, the contemporary Saudi Arabia. Why? Because you find all the Imams of the Madahib, the Shafi'i, the Maliki, the Hanafi, the Hanbali, Imam Ahmad, and the rest of them, if, if they don't have poetry in praising the Ahl al-Bayt, if they themselves, such as Imam al-Nisa'i and the rest of them, were not harassed and beaten because of the Ahl al-Bayt, and this is you know, another episode, we will talk about Sunni Imams 
who were excommunicated, some of them imprisoned because of them narrating the fada'il of the Ahl al-Bayt and not replacing the fada'il of Ali with the fada'il of, for example, Muawiyah. Take the fada'il of Ali, attribute them to Muawiyah. This imam, many of the imams, many of the imams, the Sunni imams, they said, no, we will not do that. And what was the, the result? The result was imprisonment and isolation and, and excommunication. So we don't have, you know, back in the day, yes, there were many brave imams that did that. And, and I, I know amongst the Sufi community, the Turkish community, this is something that takes place in Egypt. It takes place, but unfortunately, Sheikh, in the West, we don't have so many Sunni Imams that obviously, like you said, we don't need to convert and praise Shiism, and nor do I need to praise Sunnism. But we don't have Sunni Imams who will speak of the Fadail of Ali, Fadail of Hassan, Fadail of Hussein, Fadail of. As-Sadiq wal-Baqir, who, like you rightfully said, were the teachers of the Imams. When I went to Karbala the second time, uh, I was invited by Sheikh Abdul Mahdi Karbalahi, the chief cleric of Karbala. Yeah. And Ataba Husseiniya, they were filming us, and they actually made a special video. And I'll send you a clip of that. And they were amazed that a Sunni person like myself, I'm not praising myself, but I'm just using this as, a, as, as an example on how we... Uh, adhere to Adab and the way Ahsan. we entered the, the way we entered into the Ziyarah of Imam Hussein and they were astonished they were coming to me and, and they were shocked and we had tears in our eyes at the moment and this is the first thing I can remember saying the moment I entered into Bab Ibla and this was the first time I I came to Imam Hussein's Rauda in 2016 when I looked at him I just absolutely cried I just cried as a person absolutely and the first thing I said to Imam al-Hussein, and I said it in Urdu, and it, it sounds beautiful. I said, Kaash Imam, I said, oh, I said, if only Hussein, I was with you 1400 years ago. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. That is the type of love that we have for Hussein in our tradition because of the sacrifice. And again, what Abul Hassan al-Ash'ari said in his Maqalat al-Islamin, he said the greatest catastrophe that fell upon humanity was the killing of Hussein in the plains of Karbala. Regarding the incident with Ghadir Qum about uh, when the Prophet ﷺ stopped, this was after Hajjat al-Bidah on the 18th of Zulhijjah. Our position on this is that this was the incident in which the Prophet ﷺ announced the wilayah of Imam Ali ﷺ. We don't believe that this was regarding friendship, as some many con uh, commentators have said that the Prophet ﷺ wanted to tell the Sahaba that Ali is his friend. No, we believe that the word Mawla, he means master. That master. Imam Ali ﷺ is the master of every believer. And as yes, you Amir. said, Umar bin al-Khattab went to Amir al-Mu'mineen and congratulated him on this incident. What we believe, and this is our position, is we believe that Khilafah and Imama are two separate things. We believe that Khilafah has a right for anyone. Administration. It is, it is the yes. administration, but not Definitely. Imam. And this is mentioned by our Aima, Imam Alusi Baghdadi, Mahmoud Alusi Baghdadi, in his Tafsir al Ruh al Mani, is mentioned his Tafsir al Mazhari by Qadi Thanawlat, Pani Pati, Rahmatullah Many scholars, Al Maktubat by uh, Sheikh Ahmad al Hindi, Rahimahullah, and they are clear that this incident is regarding the wilaya of Imam Ali, alayhi salatu salam. And this is regarding that he is the mir this is the reason why we believe that the Imam of Awliya, that the Imam of all the Awliya, and not just the Awliya after Imam Ali, we believe that even the the people that came before Imam Ali, the Ummah that came before him, all the nations that came before him, from the beginning of creation until the end of creation, all Iman and all Aqidah is that Amir al Mu'minin is the is the leader of all the awliya. And not Allah. unless he makes Allah. you a wali, you cannot be a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what our Aima have written. And, I would, uh, and our position is very clear. is very clear. Sayyid Ahmed bin al-Sadiq al-Ghumari has written a book called Burhan al-Jaleel uh, on the hadith of Ana Madinatul Ilm wa Ali al-Babuha. And he says in clear terminology with evidences substantiating it 
with the Quranic verses that were revealed that that wilaya, that the Imam of all the awliya, and the reason why this incident took place in the Ghadir Qum is for what reason was because the Prophet was passing away and Nabuwat has come to an end and wilaya begins here. This is where wilaya begins of Imam Ali, Ali salatu salam, and that continues until the day of judgment. Anyone that denies that spiritually we believe that he is not from the, the righteous people. Uh, Sheikh Al-Akbar ibn Al-Arabi has mentioned that. Many of our Imam have mentioned all the 12 Imams from Imam Zal al-Abadin all the way to Imam Mahdi These are all great Imams. In fact, in our narrations, we even have a hadith that, or a narration that says that Imam Mahdi will be even greater than the Khulafa al-Rashida, will be greater than the Khulafa. And the reason why is because the Khulafa were the Khulafa of Rasulullah, whereas Imam al-Mahdi will be the Khalifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's so many narrations, and inshallah, as we will continue, we will get over it, but I will congratulate uh, all of our viewers, all the Muslims around the world. I congratulate you on, on, on Ghadir Qum. This is something we do celebrate. We hold in high esteem. Uh, we celebrate it. We mention it. It's mutawatir. In fact, Imam Sayyuti rahimahullah ta'ala has mentioned 27 individual Sahaba that narrated this incident. 27. Imam, al Imam Muhammad al-Ja'far al-Kittani, the great muhaddith, he mentioned 29 and he gave a full list. And there's an Indian scholar, uh, Morana, his name is coming to my mind, he's a contemporary Indian Sunni scholar. He has actually put together he has actually put together uh, all the different chains regarding this incident. And the only one that rejected it was Ibn Taymiyyah. But we know what the reason why Ibn Taymiyyah, because he was extremely weak. But even Albani, Muhammad Nasr al-Albani, yes. uh, a Wahhabi scholar, he yes. rejected that view and said that all the hadith are mutawatir and are rigorously authentic. We have to be mature. We have to be uh, intellectually uh, academically sit and debate on these issues. Sorry. There's nothing wrong in, if you want to discuss Aisha, if you want to discuss Umar, if you want to discuss Qirtas, if you want to discuss any of these issues, marhaban, come to us. We will sit academically and discuss with other respect. And that's, that is what we need, Sayyid. We need to have dialogue. We need to sit and love each other. Imam Hussain needs to bring, you know, uh, I, I, and, and this is my final comment. I've said this very clearly, Sayyid. The greatest scholars within Shiaism and the greatest scholars within Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah have not resolved the differences and they will not resolve the differences. We need to take out our community from becoming sheeps and dependent people on others to becoming independent thinkers and decision makers. Brother, sister, why do you hate others so much? Do you know why? Do you even know the basis of this hate? When it started? What are the differences? Why are you being fooled by the political game that is pe being put out there uh, and you're wasting your precious days and your precious lives disuniting the people and spreading hatred while you can learn? You can learn what other people believe in, what are the differences amongst you, and you can come to grow to respect them to 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 agree to disagree or sometimes you may be influenced by another alim from another school of thought who might enlighten you who might spark something within your mind and and and, and will allow you to go and 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 read further and and gain more knowledge and you know this has been the 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 the, the legacy that the great ulama have left us for example our great alim, the contemporary Sayyid Shalaf al-Din, Sayyid Abdul Hussein Shalaf al-Din al-Amili of, 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 of Lebanon, yeah. who had this constant dialogue with Sheikh al-Azhar, and it's all published, and look at the respect they give to each other. You know, there is so much honor, there is so much respect amongst them. In some areas they may agree, in some other areas they may disagree, but in the end of the day, those are our role models. And this is how we should continue. <laughs>
ثم رجي ثم تقي ثم نقي ثم عسكري ثم مهدي حاضر حضرت امام الخاتمه الهي بحق بني فاطمه کہ برکول ایمان کنی خاتمہ اگر داؤد تمرات کنی برکبول من دست دمانی علی رسول علی رسول علی رسول